the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back, dear friends, to the Battle for 1600. With shocking news, breaking news, my co-host, the Baron, hasn't had a cigar for a week. Is this possibly true. true, Boris? It is. It is. I'm sorry for my blasphemy. <laughs> I have not had one in a week. It is Friday. It's Shabbos. Wishing everybody good Shabbos. And uh, yeah, it's likely that one is in order tonight at the latest, at the very latest. Is tomorrow. it the heat? I mean, it's hard to do cigars when it's 98 degrees outside, right? It's a hot one. And I like, you know, I, I, I don't have, and I'm not going to disclose any, a, any secrets here, but I don't have the cool old school man cave that <laughs> some of my friends, maybe the person I'm doing this amazing podcast with, have at their home, okay? I don't you have look, that. I may have a man headquarters, but is it true that you have a whole closet full of cigars, my friend? Okay, here's the truth. Here's the truth. <laughs> I do have – I did. I, I, I've compiled so many cigars from my travels and the generosity of some friends – Kaiser, thank you so much. Gurkhas are amazing. Yes. Okay. That at some point I had to make a decision. What am I going to do with all these cigars? So I went all in and I did buy one of those, you know, what do you, I don't, I don't know what you call it, an old school, you know, uh, a humid, cabinet? A humidified cabinet? A cabinet. I've got a cabinet. Some people have I, gun rooms. He has a cigar room. He's the baron. I've what's, got a what's your uh, smoke of choice? What are you, Trinidad guy now? What are, what are you experimenting with? Because you always send me pictures of different cigars. And, you know, to the, to you guys at home who, who listen to this, part, of course you like the politics, but you like the cigars, there's nothing better to show friendship, I think, from one old school guy to another than when you're smoking a cool stogie, just take a picture of the cigar with the wrapper and boom, with a label and send it off. Send picture of the label. Send it off. No one needs to see our faces. Okay, we all know what we look like. Okay, none of us. Selfies Amer- not required. Just the right. cigar. Just the cigar. None of us. Are, you know, none of us are Marilyn Monroe over here. Okay, just the cigar. Shoot it off. Show the smoke. So I've been smoking Trinidads lately. They're amazing in the summer because it's a little bit lighter. But if I'm going for a nice long one, I've got a Hoyo de Monterey. Nice. I did. I you know with the scope, I did have a friend. Get me a Cohiba Behiki lately, which is, you know, super, super upscale. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a cigar guy, right? And you're a cigar. We love cigars. I will tell you that I think a lot of times a solid $10, 15 $20 cigar is going to be as good as a 100 bucks cigar. And I've got to tell you one thing. And my son, who's big into cigars already, he learned this the hard right. way a couple of months ago. Guys, 
don't go for the novelty cigars, okay? The, the, the fancy multicolored wrapper or the whatever trinkets in the box, don't do it because nine out of ten times the novelty cigars are garbage. You concur, Baron? The novelty wears off, that's for sure. <laughs> the taste go, is just not there. Now, go old school. Yes, reliable. Right? And find something you like. Don't try to be fancy. Don't try. Find whatever you like. And it's going to be different for everybody, right? So, you know, especially in the from, – from, let's put it October 1st on through April, I'm a, I like the heavier cigar, okay? But for some people, they're way too heavy because then they can't be – you know, they can't walk around can't, you know, and, and can't really be active. Some other people like lighter cigars. Find what you like. Enjoy it. Have a good time. But don't forget to share it with your friends. Snap that pic, send it on to a couple of buddies. They're going to be thankful to you, and, and it's a nice way to say hello. It's like a handgun. You know, stick with the one that you can shoot. It's very simple. Find out what you like and smoke that one. Great advice from the Baron. Follow him on all platforms, Boris EP, Boris Epstein. Boris, we have to discuss. We have the new retooled Battle for 1600. It's yes, MAGA yes. Central. It's the information you need to know in MAGA world races, elections. Yes. We're going to talk about yes. uh, North Carolina. We're going to talk about Alabama. But you've been doing some amazing reportage updates with uh, my my old uh, colleague Steve Bannon on his uh, War Room pandemic. And I'm just going to tell you what we had Bernie Kerrick say yesterday on my radio show, America First. He was on fire. He's been campaigning with Vernon Jones. He's been fighting the good fight uh, with the election audits. And he said, on the f- first he said two states, then he added a third. He said, given what we're seeing coming out of Arizona, the lack of chain of custody, the discrepancies, Maricopa County and elsewhere, he believes the final results in Arizona and Georgia will swing to President Trump. And then in the second segment, he said, and it's likely that Pennsylvania will also turn out to have been a Trump victory. That's a guy who is not, not known for his hyperbole. He used to run Rikers Island. He's the 40th commissioner of police in New York. He's a solid, serious, serious guy. Um, What are you seeing? What do you think of that analysis and that prediction and the the, uh, the imminent potential results coming out of those states, Boris? Well, you know, what I, what's, what's great, Sebastian, right, is that, as you know, I've been on this consistently, as have you, right? We've both been talking about this a lot. And we had a very in-depth, I think it may have been our last podcast, where we talked in-depth about what the results of these audits will be and what is or is not possible constitutionally, okay? But And this isn't about, this conversation is not about that step. It's about the next step, which is the, the receipts, the information. And just what came out yesterday in Arizona in that hearing, 75,000, let me reiterate that, 75,000 more mail-in ballots returned than were mailed out. Yeah. They don't even know, okay? Which, which can no only idea. happen, which can only they were happen. Requested, I'm sorry. They were requested. 75,000 more ballots returned right. than they have evidence of being requested. Which there's only two ways. Scientifically, there's only two possible scenarios. Right. Either 
Somebody made a mistake and there's no chain of custody for how many were requested. It was just a mistake and it's the number is incorrect. Or somebody on a photocopier, remember Kamala Harris, you can't find them in the countryside. Somebody in Maricopa County photocopied ballots illegally to the extent of 75,000 and then used those to defraud the election. Is it possible hypothesis? I don't think so. And the biggest issue is that Maricopa County isn't responding. Yeah. If they have an explanation, hey, let's have at it. Let's have it. Let's have the explanation, right? The issue, and again, remember, this is Arizona, which was decided by just about 10,000 votes. You're talking about 75,000 mail-in ballots that weren't, that weren't requested being sent out and returned. You're talking about, I think they had said 18,000 people voted we're not on the voter rolls on November 4th, and we're on the voter rolls in December. I think about 8,000 voters purged after the rolls for saying, you know, because they were wrong. I mean, this is a major, 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 major problem. And this isn't even the biggest earthquake to come out of Arizona yet. The biggest is still to come, and that is the discrepancy. And now they're talking about it openly. I've been t- telling you this. I've been saying this on Steve, sh- on Steve Bannon's War Room show, that I've been hearing a significant discrepancy between the amount of ballots certified and the amount of ballots turned over for the audit. So missing ballots that were not turned over for the audit, which would actually tie in very well with the fact that there were these extra ballots that were mailed back and or you know, sent back, however they were. What I'm hearing is that that amount, that discrepancy size, is multiples of the difference that was certified between Joe Biden and President Trump. Okay, and now they're doing a triple check. They brought in these old school, think of like an old school bank or treasury counting the the commercial paper. They brought in these old school machines, nothing, none of this Dominion craziness to count the actual paper and come up with a number. This is extremely significant, extremely significant. You have Wendy Rogers, state senator in Arizona. She came out and said, you know, she's a fighter, a veteran. She came out and said, decertify this thing, decertify the election. And she's talking about awarding the electors to President Trump, uh, potentially, as a result of all this, here's the bottom line. Joe Biden went to Philadelphia this week as a direct result of Doug Mastriano, who I, who was on your show when I had the honor of yes, guest hosting. Yes, he's again. great. Thank you so much for that. When I had the honor of guest hosting for you, we had Doug Mastriano on the day he dropped those letters requesting a full forensic investigation in Philadelphia, uh, in Tioga, New York counties. Barely a couple of days later, Joe Biden shows up at Philadelphia and goes on a screed saying, oh, this is the most scrutinized election. And he actually brought up the Arizona audit. He brought up Georgia. I guess it's, it's wor- the- worse than the Civil War, Boris. It's like, yeah, everyone's dying. 600,000 people dead, right? Yeah, everyone. It's, it's happening right now. You just don't know. By the way, you know what is a level of a civil war? What's happening in Chicago? Yes. People are dying left and right. OK, that is terrible. Thanks, Democrats. So. This is a major problem, and I, I agree with Commissioner Carrick 100%. So you, re- Eric- you really think, so this is, this is the concrete question, you think yes. that his potential prognosis that we could see three states flip back into the Trump column because of the discrepancies, lack of chain of custody, and the fraudulent votes, you think uh, Bernie Carrick is correct? I absolutely do. I, I, I believe in my heart and in my mind, as I've said from the night of November 3rd on, that President Trump won fair and square Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and I think he won Wisconsin, where we know from the audit that was done by the campaign, there are over 200,000 unlawful ballots, just Milwaukee and Dane County, under Wisconsin law, in a state that only separates by 20, and I think he won Michigan. But you don't, and and, and here's the thing, am I saying that reinstatement is going to happen tomorrow? I'm absolutely not. 
What I'm saying is that this process has to continue. We've got to get to the bottom of who actually won these states. And then what happens next is absolutely constitutionally unprecedented. Unprecedented. Can we just imagine, and let's do it, you you are more than a student of history. You you, you know, you are a scholar. Before you came on uh, to the show, we were discussing one of of your professors in the course you took at Georgetown on uh, Eastern European history. Just, just the hypothesis, just the scenario that two, maybe three, let's just say two states, which are crucial battleground states for the Electoral College, arrive at a point in American history in 2021 where the powers that be find the requisite evidence to say that the election went to the other candidate, not the one who was sworn in. Just what that does historically for the position and the sense of any legitimacy that Joe Biden could have when, when, that, when that result is, you know, not even the Democrats can deny it. I mean, that truly is uncharted territory, Boris. It is. 1876, the Hastings election had some remnants of this. It was before the Electoral Count Act of 1887, which actually has very questionable constitutionality of its own, has never been tested because it takes away some power from from Congress and and, and, and gives it away. It also takes away some power from the states. But this is this is uncharted territory. It's not uncharted in the terms of Democrats stealing elections. They've been doing it <laughs> no, for a long time, no, no. right? They stole the 1960 election from Richard Nixon. But, they, but, but that's stealing. different because Nixon made the decision. He made the gentlemanly decision and, and, and politics continued. What we're talking about is somebody being sweared in and then ex post facto, the evidence being <laughs> declared to the whole world that uh, sorry, you didn't win it. I mean, that's truly unprecedented. And what's, but what's very interesting is that it's completely unprecedented at the presidential level, right? At the congressional levels, even at the state levels. I mean, in North Carolina, just a few years ago, they said that a congressional election was rife with, rife with fraud and they had another election. Right. They had. A, I am not saying that's going to you know, all the you know, media matters. Take it easy. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen at the presidential level. I am saying that in our system of government at every level, but president and vice president, there is precedent. That's happened. When fraud is proven, there is action that's taken. There is a way to cure it. The question is, what's that going to be at the presidential level? And I think that's going to go all the way up to the Supreme Court. Again, last week, when I had the honor of sitting in for you, we had Rudy Giuliani on, and I asked him, you know, Rudy's one of the greatest legal minds in American history. So I asked the mayor, I said, sir, what do you think? He said, it's 50-50. It is completely unprecedented, and we do not know what's going to happen. So, you know, it goes back to sort of what my mother says, right? What are the chances of seeing a dinosaur? It's 50-50, either will you won't, right? <laughs> so, you know, but this is a, a very unprecedented, very um, crucial time. But let's not, you know, the academic novelty of it is one thing. Right. The bottom line is Democrats cheat a lot. What, we haven't even mentioned the cesspool that's Georgia. Right. And, and so, Raffensburg. Raffensburg are tweeting out yesterday. Now, now he's concerned. Now he's saying people should get fired. He's a fighter. He, he should be fired. Right. Absolutely should be fired. He should be fired. Brian Kemp should be fired. You know, Vernon Jones running hard in, in, in Georgia, calling for ca- uh, audits in all 159 counties. You've got Brendan Beach over there. You've got Burt Jones, who are, who are already elected officials, calling for these audits. This, you know, I, I coined the term 
freight train of audits several months ago. And it truly is what this this is. But, but look, I love that phrase. I love that phrase. But let's this, this is for our special, special friends. This podcast is for the people who really care. Right. And let's talk nuts and bolts. Let's let's peek behind the curtain. I got to say it. The fact is, this isn't happening. The freight train of audits isn't happening because of the RNC or Rona McDaniel. It's people like you. It's Rudy. It's Jenna Ellis. It's Victoria Tunsing. It's Joe DeGenova. It is a handful of fighters. And this is, this is where I have the greatest concern, that even if the evidence is uncovered, that is incontrovertible, that could flip back the results of the Electoral College, the question is, so what? Is the institutional will, the backbone there? And we see the last couple of days, the, the, the back and forth between Rona McDaniel Jason Rima and, uh, and and Jenna Ellis. I, I see this intransigence, this this inertia in the GOP uh, writ large to actually grasp this nettle and to deal with it. it but for a few people like you and Rudy, we wouldn't know any of this stuff, Boris. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Here's what I would say. It actually, a, a, a huge amount of the credit, and you, I think this is expected, it goes to President Trump. Because the president, right after election and leading well, up to well, election, he predicted said, it. He predicted this mail, it. Mail-in balloting is a disaster. It is unchecked and it is ripe with fraud. That's what he said, and he has not backed off of it. He has not backed off of it. You know, listen, the, the RNC thing, and that's all. All of that stuff is noise, right? I think the signal is that President Trump. The MAGA movement, the champions of the MAGA movement, like you, like Steve Bannon, like Rudy Giuliani, humbly, I, I, you know, I lo- love to put my voice in there, and I'm honored to be able to do so. The fact that we are out there pushing this is important, but what's most important is that relationship between President Trump and his movement, yes. the MAGA movement, and the fact that the movement is, is hearing and taking none of it. None of it. Right. And you know what? You know who is dialed into this? Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes. MSNBC. <laughs> they're, they're so worried. They're going insane, Boris. Insane. They're talking about it nonstop. And they've been talking about it nonstop since March and April. They know what's coming. They know how serious this is. And it is only about to get more serious in Arizona, in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin and Michigan won't be far behind. And it is all the strength, the power, the relationship between President Trump and the MAGA movement. We are just part of the messengers, right? Yeah. That's what we, that, that, that's what we are, we are. But, but it's that, not but it's not just a, it's not just about the man, it's about the mission and the agenda. Correct. It's the mission and the movement and also the feeling of giving voice to people who feel like they've been cheated for ages and decades and decades and decades, but no more. He won in 2016. He believes, I believe, I think you believe, the movement believes he won in 2020. Yeah. And he's got to do it. He'll win again in 2024 and will be the 47th president of the United States of America. It's exciting stuff, exciting stuff. And uh, Boris is on the front lines and has been since November and even before. All right, let's get the latest updates from uh, the races that are crucial and that we have to be following and supporting yes. those America First and those uh, MAGA candidates. So talk to us, North Carolina, talk to us about Alabama. What's going on? 
So both North Carolina and Alabama are going to be open seats, right? Richard Shelby's retiring in Alabama. Burr is retiring in North Carolina. In North Carolina, President Trump has come in and made an endorsement. He endorsed um, Ted Budd in North Carolina. He said that this is his chosen candidate. There are several other candidates, so this is going to be a very interesting primary. I think Budd is likely to win because President Trump has such a great approval rating in North Carolina. He's so well-liked in North Carolina. We won North Carolina twice, obviously, as you know, in 16 and in 20. So President Trump's uh, approval rating, President Trump's standing there goes extremely, extremely, extremely long way. So I do expect Bud to win that primary, and I think he's going to win the general, And, I, and because this is going to be a MAGA-Trump election in 2020, a, a wave. I'm not even going to call it a It's not going to be a Republican wave. It's a MAGA wave. And I, so I think North Carolina is going to fall into place there, as will Alabama. Alabama is even more interesting. You've got Mo Brooks there, who you know well. You've got Brett there, a woman who was Richard Shelby's chief of staff, who shall be endorsed. Then you've got President Trump's former, former ambassador, Slovenia Blanchard there. So it's a very interesting race. President Trump has endorsed Mo Brooks, endorsed him early again. I expect Mo Brooks to win. Mo Brooks, a real conservative. And in Alabama, thankfully, beautifully, a ruby red state. I expect Mo Brooks to walk into that Senate seat as long as he's the nominee. Exciting stuff, exciting stuff. Just like Tommy Tuberville did in, uh, in 2020. Right, absolutely. And the message is we've got to be engaged. If you hear those stories, Boris, what do you say? I, I get those calls, I get those DMs myself uh, every now and again. Those people who say they stole it in 2020, that's it, we can never win again. What's the Baron's response? Absolutely wrong. We are going to keep winning and we are going to keep proving when they do steal it. Okay, that's what we have to vote. We have to go out there. We have to be active. Look at me. I'm all fired up. I'm sweating over here. Maybe it's because it's 120 degrees. Maybe it's because I'm so excited about the MAGA movement, the MAGA wave that's continuing to sweep the country. So we've got to stay strong. We've got to stay powerful. We can't back down and we've got to go vote while also pushing that freight train of audits across the country. It's a great phrase. He invented it. That's why he's the Baron. Follow him, Boris EP on Twitter, Boris Epstein on Instagram, the freight train of audits. And at Boris EP on Getter. And, oh, ooh, see? He's on Getter, too. We are as well. Getter, That's exciting. Boris EP on Getter. Get right. together and follow the Baron. You have been listening to the Battle for 1600, your new Depot for all matters, all information, MAGA. Tell your friends, write a review, and never miss an episode. Thank you, Baron. God bless you and good Shabbos.